So for the next few weeks, we're going to work off of a, a thought. This is the message title that we're going to be, uh, I'll be riffing on a little bit. It's called Pray With Your Eyes Open. Um, more than just a uh, more than just a, a habit that we do when we pray, uh, maybe you were taught to you know uh, bow your heads and close your eyes um, as a matter of course with your prayer life. Um, I want to I want to challenge that a little bit because I believe there's a a mindset that needs to happen, and I believe this is a biblical mindset that uh, we can get a hold of today. Is that Jesus wants us to watch and pray? He doesn't want us to miss anything that we're praying for. He doesn't want us to miss any of his activity. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'll start it off today. But before I do, uh, I want you to think about, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask several questions here, but you don't need to raise your hand uh, because, you know, the statute of limitations might not be out on the thing that I'm asking. And so, you know, we want to, the names were changed to protect the innocent, all that kind of stuff. But um, if you've ever got uh, gone into a parking lot and gotten into the wrong car, um, if you've ever walked into to the ladies' room when you thought it was the men's room or vice versa. I did that one and confessed it to you a few weeks ago. Um, if you've ever, uh, you know, gotten a you know, had had something in your mind and were moving in one direction and all of a sudden you realize, ah, oh, this isn't what I should be doing. Um, Holly and I went, took a trip to the Bahamas a number of years ago. The deacons uh, sent us to go down there. First thing we did was rent a car. It was an old jalopy of a car at the airport, at, you know, because it's an island and they don't, you know, you don't rent a lot of cars. And so that this car was like the oldest rental car I've ever rented. It was probably like 15 years old, right? And uh, it was a beater. And, and so the first thing I do is pull out onto the highway, and what do I do? Uh, I get in the wrong lane because we drive on the right, they drive on the not right, and um, and so... So, uh, you know, the, there's a, a driver, and he slows down, and he's, like, waving me over. You're on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side. How many of you have ever gone down? Don't keep your hand down. Uh, gone down the wrong way down a one-way street. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, didn't, did, you know, in a strange area, didn't realize what was what and how it was going and all of that kind of stuff. And whoops, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Um, in those moments, we, we had one thing in our mind, but then the reality was something a little different. And and had we really been paying attention, I'll tell you uh, what had happened to me one time. I, I think I was, I, I could almost, if I thought about it, I could tell you the year, but it's not really that significant. But um, I was uh, I was a college student. I was working with a youth group in Everett, Michigan um, at Evangel Assembly, and we were driving this old, funky, rusted-out church van um, to, uh, to uh, Cedar Point, Ohio. Cedar Point is a big uh, amusement park, and so we had a bunch of students in there. And, and how many of you have ever lived in a northern state where vehicles rust after the first year, second year, something like that? So you know what I'm talking about when you say you slam the door and the bottom of the door waves at you for five minutes because, you know, structural integrity is gone and it just, you come back out of the house at lunchtime and it's still waving at you. And so that's, this was a kind of uh, van, church van that we had, you know, and uh, this day and age, moms and dads would probably say, you're not putting my kid in that thing, in a way. But so, uh, so Shelly, it was Kersey at the time, Shelly Thompson today, but Shelly was in the passenger seat. I was in the driver's seat and uh, we had it loaded up with uh, kids and, and there was a storm coming and we weren't actually scheduled to go to the park till the next day. So the next day the weather was going to be nice. And so we're going down 
and in Michigan and Ohio roads, a lot of other states too, the roads are laid out north, south, east, west. They're in grids. And so, you know, nothing like Williamsburg where they just paved the ox cart paths, um, you know, nothing like that. And so you, you always knew I'm only a mile away from all I have to do is, you know, go one mile over and one mile up and I'll be where I need to go. Well, anyway, long straight road going into Cedar Point. And I pulled out to pass a car that was going very slowly. And to my surprise and fright, uh, between the two headlights that were probably about 500 yards away, there was a vehicle coming that was about 150 yards away, and I had no room to actually complete my pass, right? And so we're, so the vehicle's like, Wah! and I'm trying to pass this guy, and there's no way I'm going to do it. So I literally had to pull over onto the, onto the opposite shoulder to let the cars go that way. And uh, everybody in the church was going, in the bus was going, oh, oh, praise you, Jesus. They're all, they're all, you know, they knew it was a real close call and I felt about that big, you know, and I was like, ah, Shelly, you better drive. I think I'm, I got to change my clothes or something. I don't know. Uh, but anyway. It was one of those moments where I was just not aware of my circumstances the way I thought I was aware of my circumstances. Now, it's true, isn't it, that a lot of times you can be a, an onlooker, you can be a bystander, you can be step, stepping back from where somebody's at, and you can see the mess they're about to get into, and they can't see it. Can I tell you, uh, faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend, Proverbs says, and if you don't have some good friends that will risk their relationship with you, the feel-good relationship with you to tell you something that you really, really, really need to hear, if you don't have those kind of friends, you need to find those kind of friends or learn to be that kind of friend. And don't just, you know, uh, I, I mean, I love, I love happy talk, but, you know, there's a time for it and there's a time not for it. And, and, and in our lives as disciples, the thing that we have to do is that we need to be aware that God's got some things going on in our world that oftentimes we just don't see. Uh, one of these I'm going to draw your attention to in Matthew chapter 26. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. You know, having been in Israel now, I've actually been where Gethsemane is. I've actually looked at those old olive trees. I've, I've, I've walked around in those areas. I wonder if the disciples thought when they went camping that night, if they went out to pray, I wonder if they really thought about the significance of that day and the significance of what was going to take place. They probably didn't have a clue. They probably just thought, hey, the Lord wants us to go out and do something, and so we're just going to go out and do that. Uh, but you know, it's the the sun goes down, and if the, you know these good fishermen guys, they they probably went to bed early and got up early, and and so that was their habit. And so they get there, and and they they get to the place where the Lord wants them. He says, "Sit here," and he said, "I'm going to go over here and pray." He took Peter and the other two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. I wonder if they noticed his face. I wonder if they noticed his expression. I wonder if they understood the shift that was taking place cosmically in that moment that was culminating on the face of Jesus when he was about to enter in to a place of intercession like the likes of which our world had never seen. 
They couldn't quite have been aware. And here's how I know. He said, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Keep watch. Stay alert. Don't fall asleep. Pay attention. There are things that are happening here that you don't really know about. But if you watch for it, you'll see something going on. He, it says, uh, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible. Possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus was talking to us about this separation that there is between the spirit realm and the earthly realm. He's, he's communicating a truth that every believer understands that you are, in fact, more than your body. You are not less than your body, but you are certainly more than your body. And he says the spirit is willing to do the will of God, but the flesh is weak. The flesh is compromised. The flesh has its ways about it that it just wants what it wants and it doesn't care about the rest of the world. It doesn't care about anything else happening. The flesh wants what the flesh wants. And so Jesus says, you need to watch and you need to pray. He's saying you need to stay alert and you need to pray. You need to tap into the spirit realm, but at the same time, you need to keep your eyes open pray with your eyes open because you don't want to miss what God wants to do. Now, Paul says something very similar to this in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, now it is, for, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I want, I want to draw your attention to the fact that if God wanted to, the moment you said yes to Jesus, he could have taken you home to heaven right then. Right? I mean, wouldn't that have been amazing? course, you know, I would have only been 17 and I wouldn't have met Holly and we wouldn't have all these wonderful kids and all these grandkids and all this fun stuff that we have that we can do now. But if, if God really was about, okay, I'm going to save Ken and I never want him to backslide. The minute you bow the knee and say yes to Jesus, he says, hallelujah, no backsliders. Whew. You're suddenly in heaven, but that's not what God does. God says you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And so you and I have been given the Holy Spirit as a down payment guaranteeing that heaven is real. How do I know? Because I can have the peace of heaven in my heart even though all hell is breaking loose around me. Holy Spirit is on the inside of me. He can give me joy in the midst of pain. He can give me strength in the midst of my weakness. This is what he does. This is who he is. He is a down payment that heaven is real. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. In other words, the fullness of everything that God wants to do will not be discovered this side of your last breath. It will take a last breath or should Jesus return in the rapture and we go join him, the fulfillment of everything. You say, life doesn't make sense, Pastor Ken, and I would agree with you. 
because you can't see but a, a, a real little smidgen of it. It's like you have one little pixel on a 4,000K TV and try to figure out the whole picture from that pixel. It's not going to happen because it's not going to make sense outside of eternity. He says, we live by faith, not by sight. Say that out loud with me. We live by faith, not by sight. One more time. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Uh, in your notes, seeing with eyes of faith is what walking by faith is all about. Seeing with eyes of faith. There's an interesting thing that God can do in your life and mine that we don't often think about. When you said, Jesus, be Lord of my life, you gave Jesus the blank check. For those of you that don't know what a check is, Talk to somebody over 40, they'll tell you. Don't have time to explain it. You gave God the blank check. You said, you're on my account. You can do anything you want with whatever amount is in there. You can fill it in as you want. And so you gave God the blank check of your life. And in that moment, he said, okay, I'm not just going to uh, have, have jurisdiction over whether or not you go to church and what you do at church and all the churchy things that we do in churchianity. He's not talking about that. He's going to say, I, I want control of your mind. I want control of your thoughts. I want, but he doesn't control it like you're an automaton and you can only do what he tells you to do. He says, I want you to give yourself, I want you to give your thoughts to me and let me work with you. I want, to, I want you to give your behaviors to me and let, you, let me work with you. And how do we know what that looks like? Well, we know it according to his word. We, we know that, that there's a way that God wants to work with us and that we willingly submit ourselves. That's that New Testament word, hupotasso. It just means to submit ourselves. From a heart of love for him, I submit myself to him and he does what he wants to do in my life. And it's a love relationship that we have. I believe he is Lord, and I submit myself to him willingly. Well, here's what he does. He actually, he actually commands us to operate in the supernatural. He doesn't just tell us what to do with our natural. He tells us to, what to do with the supernatural. This is why when you find yourself in a, in a tight spot and you say, I don't know what to do. And, and just like he told Moses to take that rod and stretch it over the Red Sea. Boy, that probably just looked stupid, didn't it? I mean, what are you going to do with that rod, Moses? Well, I'm just going to do what God told me to do. And he held it out over the Red Sea. And what happens? <laughs> Opens up. God will command you to do supernatural things that you don't have the ability to do. This is lifestyle Christianity. Go pray for that person's healing. I don't have healing. No, but I do, says the Father. And you go over there and you pray for them. Okay, and then when they say, oh, you're the healer. Come on over. No, 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 no. Come clean out the hospital. No, 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 no. God didn't tell me to do that. He said, come pray for you. Right? And so you and I get asked to do things that we cannot do in the natural. And here's a, a couple of the first places that you find it. And it's the word see. It's the word see. Oh, I'm skipping one, aren't I? Let me just fill in the blank here. We must know the will of God to live by faith. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. 
And uh, we must allow the word of God to strengthen our faith. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard by the word of Christ. Let me jump ahead here to we must speak what we see God doing to release our faith. Uh, Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. How many of you have found an invasion of 2021 already trying to get into your 2022? Whether it was through your tax returns, whether it was through contracts that haven't been finished, whether it was through unfinished conversations or whatever, 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 2021 is still trying to invade 2022. But spiritually, the word of the Lord through Isaiah is forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the past. Why? Because God's not consulting your past to determine your future. He's not looking at, at your brokenness or your has-beenness or your uh, or the names that people called you in 2021 or the or the circumstance. He's not he's not looking at those. Why? Because everything that you're going to get from God is coming from the future. Everything that you're going to get from God is going to come from the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's already wrapped up. It's already complete. How do I know that? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray the Lord's prayer, we're praying that, that whatever God wants to do in my life today is exactly what heaven looks like. And even though I'm not in heaven right now, I can still have access by the person of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit. We just read it earlier. Who is a deposit of the good things that are uh, uh, out there for us. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. There's the command. See. Everybody say it out loud. See. See, I am doing a new thing. I, have you ever uh, been out in a, a field with your, your family or something and you, you saw uh, an animal, a bird or a, a something and you said, hey, look, see it. And they, they, they couldn't see it right away. And you say, ah, oh, it's right next to that tree. Well, there's 50 trees out there. Come on, give me a little bit more. And you keep looking and you keep, you keep trying to figure it out and discern and separate it. Oh, yeah, there I see it now. No, that's not a bird a bump on a log. What are you talking about? When God says to his people, see it, we might have to do a double take. We might have to do a triple take. We might have to turn off the TV, turn off the radio, turn off Facebook, turn off whatever, 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 because he wants us to see something that we can't perceive in the natural. What's he doing? He's commanding us to live with eyes of faith. He's commanding us to see things that are in the spirit realm that we don't know in the natural. Somebody right next to you can be saying, I don't see it. I don't get that. I don't know where you're hearing that. Bah, 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 bah. Well, come on. All you do is listen to the news. No wonder you're not seeing anything supernatural. Say amen or oh me. See. See. What is God commanding you to see? You got to pray with your eyes open in order to get it. You got to be watching for the thing that the Lord says is going to come to pass. Do you remember when the, the prophet uh, was praying for rain? It hadn't rained. You know, Elijah prayed and it didn't rain. And then he prayed again and it rained, right? And you remember the story, how that, how that uh, uh, he, he gets down to prayer and his servants with him. And that's, that servant was probably doubting everything. And then the next thing you know, 
he says, uh, he, he tells him, go off and pray and, and, and go off and look in the distance. And he says, he says, I see a little cloud, just a little cloud, the size of a man's hand. In other words, if you put your hand up there, you could block it out. I see a little cloud the size of a man's hand. And the prophet said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. He said, go hitch up your chariot, get yourself moving, because it's about to come down. It's about to come down. You see, church, God's called us to see things and hear things that the rest of the world knows not of. He's called us to be people of faith. This is natural. Uh, this is natural Christianity. This is, this is the normal Christian life. This is what God has called us to. It's not woo-woo. It's not weird. This is being Bible Christian. Be a person who sees what the Word says you can have and stand in faith and stand and believe it. Joshua, uh, well, let me finish Isaiah. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I love that Holly didn't know I was going to preach this, and she was praying that over your homes. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Joshua 6.2. Joshua standing at the bottom of the walls of Jericho. If you ever read how how massive the walls of Jericho was, the fact that they could do chariot races around the top of the walls lets you know that this, these places were, these things were huge. Wasn't there was no dinky little wall. And he's standing there, and God commands Joshua as the head of the army, Joshua, see, see, I have given the city into your hands. See. What did Joshua have to work with? Did he have the best army of the day? Did they have catapults? Did they have? No. He had a bunch of straggling, uh, you know, migrants that walked around 40 years and grew up in the wilderness and just walked around. And, you know, uh, they ate manna every day. They ate quail. They drank water from the rock. They, were, they had tents. They knew how to follow a cloud. That's all they knew. See. I have given the city into your hands. And so Joshua begins to prepare. He says, I've, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. Here's the thing I want you to understand from this. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Faith makes prayer work. Prayer doesn't make faith work. Just because you have a time to pray doesn't mean you're operating faith. Just because you open your mouth and start talking doesn't mean there's any faith at all happening. You're being obedient because you want to have fellowship with God, and that's a, good, that's a good place to start. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. And so it, to have a word from God is to have faith. This is what I'm believing God for. This is what I believe God wants to do in my family. This is what I believe God wants to uh, have happen in my home. This is how God wants to work in my kids' lives. How do you learn that? Well, it's real easy when you have passages like, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I love those verses. Got it. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. Put out of your lives any sexual immorality. Put out of your lives anything that, that holds fast to the flesh. Anything that smells like flesh, put it out of your life. When you were baptized, the old you died. You don't live according to those dictates anymore. You don't live according to pride. You don't live according to flesh. You know, if, if you're a friend with your flesh, the Bible says in Romans, you're an enemy of God. God's not your enemy, but you've made yourself his enemy. 
Does that make sense? That's not double talk. You can understand where I'm, I'm coming from. God's saying, you get to choose. You get to choose. You've got to vote in this thing. God loves you, and the devil hates you. What are you going to do with your vote? Are you going to vote with the devil? Are you going to vote with God? God's made a way for you where there wasn't any other way. He said, if you'll see with eyes of faith and you'll see those streams in the desert, you'll watch the things that I can do to deliver you. You'll watch where your provision has come from. You need to pray with your eyes open, church. Pray with your eyes open. Amen? Man, it got awful quiet in here. Faith has to see the miracle before it can be activated. It has to see it. Here, here's what I'm, I'm, let me circle back around about faith makes prayer work. How many of you have seen God move with just a one word prayer? Raise your hand. Just a one word prayer. It wasn't verbose. It wasn't eloquent. It was help. Or it was Jesus. Man, I was, I was going to Michigan one, one Christmas break uh, up from Pennsylvania driving this little Toyota Celica that I had. And I, I was uh, driving through a blizzard and I hit a bridge. Uh, well, I didn't hit the bridge, but I got to the bridge and the car started sliding out of control. And I, you know, and I was going, you know how when a, you, you, you turn and you go full lock and, and, the, and so the wheels are all the way this way and it was going this way and it was starting to come back around the other way. And I was like, okay, the next move is a three. 60 because I've gone full lock both ways. I look and there's a car over here, 90 degrees in the, in the road. And there's a car that I just passed that was nose into the bridge. And I'm in between these cars and my car slid one way around this car, one way around the other car. And as soon as I was off the bridge, it wasn't a real long bridge, but as soon as I was off the bridge, I only had enough time to say, Jesus. And that car straightened right up. I mean, I never even went off the road. It just straightened right up in a moment. You weren't there. I, it was my miracle, but I'm telling you about it now. You don't have to believe me. It's okay. It's part of my soul now. Uh, it's, it's the reality. One word prayers work. When you know that there's a God on the other side of that one word prayer, when you've, when you've got developed a regular routine of talking to him, one word prayers are amazing. Why? Because faith makes prayer work. It's not about how many words you have. I don't know how to pray. Oh, yes, you do. You've been in a tight spot before. Say, oh, Lord, help me. You know. Now, you just need to realize that he wants to help you more than you want to ask, right? Here's the last point for the day. When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. When you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him him who is invisible. I love that line. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Just 
picture with me this guy Moses. Now he is born as an Israelite slave. And the edict of that day was that all of the little boys would be killed. But Moses, what happens? Uh, his mother realizes what's going on. The Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew midwives recognize this as a godly boy. There's, God's got a plan in his life. Uh, so they, they, make a, a, they make this little basket and they float him out into the Nile. And so Pharaoh's daughter comes down and she draws him out. That's where he gets his name. Uh, Moses' name means to draw out. So she draws him out of the river and she raises him as her own with the exception of that with mama's milk, uh, Moses is being prayed over and told who he is. You're a Hebrew. Let me tell you about the living God. Until the time he's weaned, Moses' mom is speaking his identity into his life. That's how he knew who he was. And then he goes and he lives in the house of Pharaoh, right? So he has dual citizenship, you might say, back before that was ever a thing. And he's in the house of Pharaoh, the wealthiest man, most powerful man in the world. And Moses has a choice to make. Am I going to side with the slaves who have the living God as their God? Or am I going to side with the flesh, with the, the, the most powerful ruler in the nation? Because he had a choice that he could make. And here's what he did. He said, I see the one who is invisible, is bigger, more powerful, more majestic has a lot more going on than the one that I can see with my eyes. So I'm going to go with the one who is invisible. I'm going to choose to do that. Now, I love the fact that Moses' life, his entire life, he was always drawing out. He was drawing out of God all the insights that we have all throughout the Old Testament. We, we see Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible. We see Moses who, who gave us a, a, a health code, who gave us a building code, who gave us art, who gave us uh, chemistry, who gave us understanding of metalwork. He gave us all, he was always drawing things out of God, drawing things out of God in his relationship. How did he do that? He saw him who is invisible. He didn't, he didn't live according to the flesh. He lived according to the spirit. And your choice and mine is how is God going to do? What does God want to do with your life? He wants to whisper some things to you um, every year. This is a practical thing, but every year I try to have a new journal. Now, I'm not always good. I'm not, I'm not like the meticulous journal keeper. But every year I start off and I say, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to write the things the Lord shows me, or maybe it's a scripture, or maybe it's a reflection on a day. And I want to challenge you. Here's the thing. We said today, Lord, speak to my heart. But oftentimes what we end up doing is, is nothing with the thing that he says. If he wants to speak something to your heart, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Can I tell you that my life has been formed by the little whispers that I, that I followed through on. Every major decision that I've ever made, that it has always been a whisper somewhere in my own soul, somewhere where I just got alone with the Lord. It wasn't something somebody else told me because they couldn't talk me into it. Let me tell you, the things that you need to be doing in your life are not the things that somebody else needs to talk you into. 
You need to be guided on the inside by the person of the Holy Spirit. I could, I could tell you, you know, over probably 25 years ago, walking right over here in this piece of uh, real estate, I don't know why, but I've had two or three moments with, with the Lord over here. And I'm just walking and praying one day. And the thing I was praying about that day was whether or not I should leave my name in the hat to become senior pastor of Lighthouse. Holly and I had already had eight years here. She'd grown up here. And, and there were so many things that were wrong, so many things that weren't working. And there were so many different voices. You should, you shouldn't, you should, you shouldn't. You know, uh, pros on one side, cons on the other side. What are you going to do? You know, how many of you have ever learned that the pros and the cons really don't matter? If God doesn't want you to do something, you better not get involved with it. Don't be a Jonah. Don't, it doesn't matter what it looks like. If you don't have peace in your heart, you just better not even mess with it. And so we were at that place, and I was like, okay, God. And it was, and I don't remember when I left the house that day if I, if I told Holly I just need to go and get with God. But I remember walking over here and praying. I remember uh, him speaking to me. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. That scripture came to me. And as I got over there, he said, I said, God, you know, I put myself in neutral. You want me to do it? I'll do it. You don't want me to do it? I don't want to be here. And he made it clear, just like he did for Jesus in Gethsemane, what the will was, what his will was. Father, what's your will? That's what I want to do. And you put yourself in that spot. And when you're in that spot and he whispers, can I tell you at that moment, I didn't care what the vote was going to be. I knew in my heart what was going to happen. And it didn't matter what the vote was. It didn't matter about the process. It didn't matter about who said what. I just knew that I knew. And that was all I needed. This is how we walk by faith. You have to see the miracle before you can uh, receive the miracle. And you've got to see him who is invisible. And I hope that somewhere you are tracking those things. I hope that somewhere when you get, a, when you get a, 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 an impression, when you get a whisper, that you're writing it down. Put a date on that puppy. Get a hold of it. Why? Because God's guiding you. It won't be every day. It won't be every day like that. I think part of walking by faith is being a person of the word and staying in the word and allowing the word to saturate us the way we need to let the word saturate us. You know, I don't need to have breakfast with an angel every morning to be spiritual. <laughs> okay, br breakfast with my wife. She's an angel. Good catch. Good catch. There you go. There you go. There you go. By faith, I married Holly. Actually, it was her faith. <laughs> See the old saying? We went on a blind date, and she was blind, I was the date. <laughs> anyway. What's God want to do in your life in 2022? Are you listening for those whispers? Are you gazing into the darkness to see the light? Because he is the light. And you say, it's too murky, it's too muddy. Man, God can cut through all of that stuff. When it looks like everything's against you, you got the same God that said to Joshua, See, I'm commanding you to see. See that miracle. See the thing that God wants to do. See what he has for your family. And then begin to speak out what he tells you. Because that's the activation of it right there. Can we stand this morning? Let's begin 2022 by praying with our eyes open. Praying with our eyes open. Praying that God's hand will be on your life. 
like never before. That 2022 would be the culmination of all of the things, all of the seeds that have been sown, all of the waterings and all of the harvest that he wants to bring to pass in your life. That God is going to cause those things to come to fruitfulness in 2022. Things that you believed him for, things that you believed him for and forgot about. He's going to bring it back to you this year. He's going to bring it back to you a hundredfold this year. He's going to bring it back and bring it back and bring it back. Can I just tell you that, you know, God isn't willing that any should perish. And if God's that way, what about your kids? He's thinking about your kids. He knows where the prodigals are. He knows how to find them and he knows how to draw them back, doesn't he? In Jesus name. And so we're praying for souls. And when we pray for souls, we know we're praying the will of God because God's not willing that any should perish, right? So we know that's a, that's a given. That's an automatic prayer. So we pray for workers. Lord, send workers around our kids. Send workers around our, our, our co-workers and the kids in our classroom. Send workers around them to plant seeds, to water those seeds in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray for an activation of gifts in our lives. You know, a lot of times we, we go through a season and we, and we just don't know why we went through that season. But can I tell you, sometimes God's planting a seed for something he wants to do 20 years later. Or he starts you in an interest on something and he said, you know, he doesn't tell you at the time, this isn't for now, this is for later, but that's what it was. You went through that journey and he's got something more in store for, for a down on the horizon. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't look at what you did and say, well, there you did. You just screwed it all up. You might as well quit. Go back to drinking. Go back to whatever. He never does that. He said, I'm not sorry that I called you. I have no regrets over your life. I'm not siding with the devil who's the accuser of the brethren. I'm the mediator. I'm the advocate. I'm the one that's called alongside to help you. Father, we want to see it this year. We want to see the fruition. We want to see the culmination. We want to see the things come back together that the enemy has stolen. We want to see the restoration. We want to see the restoration where the, the canker worm is eaten. And Lord, you restore the things. You restore the things. Come on. All those dreams that are down on the inside of you, Jesus, Jesus, restore the dreams this year like never before. Come on, God is a restorer. Let him restore in your life. Give him some faith. See the miracle before you can receive it. See it again. See it again. Some of you need to pull out that piece of paper where he whispered it before. Some of you need to pull out that piece of paper and begin to write the dream. Paint the picture. Write, write down the thing that the Holy Spirit put in your soul a long time ago. Maybe you were just by yourself. Maybe, you know, and, and you thought, man, that was so God. I just sensed the presence of the Lord when that, but then I don't have any answers for it. Come on, just pull it back out and meditate on it a little bit. Jesus, what do you want to do? What is left? What is there? What's still there that you want to bring to pass? See, God saw the promised land. And he was looking for an Abraham that would walk through it with him. And though Abraham would never walk in it 400 years later, after, after 400 years in Egypt, the children of Israel would come out. He brought them out to take them in, but it took generations to accomplish the thing. But there were seers ahead of time, people who saw the miracle before it actually took place. Be a seer. See, I'm doing a new thing. 
What's it look like? What's it sound like? How is it that God is going to show himself to you? One last thought. Did I say that? I get five last thoughts. One last thought. I shared this on New Year's Eve, and it's something that I circle back to. There's, there are two Latin words for future. The first one is futurum. It's just future without an E but an M on the end of it. Futurum. And it means that which is uh, that that uh, that part of our future that arises from our present. It, it kind of is like this. It, we we assess what happened in the past. We budget this way a lot of times. We assess what we what happened in the past, and then we raise it by three percent or whatever. If you're a business owner, you got to crunch the numbers and you got to figure. Okay, what are we going to do next year that we didn't do this past year? And and so you're looking at your you're looking at your stuff and you're calculating what you're going to do in the future based on your stuff, right? Management. That's what that is. Futurum. But then there's another word, and it's called adventus. Adventus, from which we get the word Advent, and it means the one who comes. The one who comes. Futurum is arising from the present. Adventus is coming from the future. And it's not the stuff, it's not the what. Adventus is the who. Who is coming? Who is coming? The one who comes. And what I want, what I see the Lord doing in there, this is, we got to be like John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist was all about the who is coming. The voice of the one prepared, you know, uh, preparing in the wilderness. He's, he's saying, prepare the way of the Lord. I'm the voice of one calling. Prepare the way of the Lord. He was all about Adventus. He was all about, this is what he's going to do. This is who he is. This is how he acts. When, you know, you Romans, he's going to kick your butt. He didn't, he didn't have the full clarity of it. But he knew one was coming. Jesus doesn't want you to just have your stuff fixed. Well, Jesus, if you just fixed my stuff, I'd be real happy. He wants you to, he wants you to know him as the fixer. He wants, he wants you to walk with him as the deliverer. He doesn't want to just heal your body. He wants you to know him as the healer. He's the lover of your soul. It's, it's not about the stuff. It's about how well do you know him? Do you have a plan to know him more in 2022? Do you have a plan to draw nearer? And how do you want to draw nearer to God? What does that look like? God, I want to know you in this way. I want to know you in this way. Adventus, the one who comes. Let's get ready for the one who comes. Amen. Father, I bless your people. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord God, that you have good things in store because you are a good God and you want us to walk with you every step of the way. In Jesus' name.